The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So a number of years ago, I was a young kid here in, living in Littleton, Colorado, and it was a very cold, snowy night. And my father came home, driving home from work, and when he walked through the door, he looked very different. He was, he was white, he was clearly shaking, he was very dis- disturbed by what had happened to him on the way home, and he described that as he was driving home that night, he had dr- driven down a hill in the snow and ice, which we all know can be a little bit scary at times here in Colorado, and as he drove down the hill towards a, a red light where cars were stopped, he suddenly had this overwhelming urge to get off the road. And he didn't know what it, mean, he, what it meant, but his instincts took over, and he jumped the curb and got his car up on the sidewalk, and then happened to look up just as a truck barreled past him, clearly unable to stop in the ice, and it slid down into the intersection below him. And he hadn't had an experience like that before, I don't think. And he came home shaking, saying, I don't know what it was within me that knew to get off the road just at that moment. He was, uh, and he's, he's still alive. He's a, an intelligent man, a very logical man, a very grounded man. But this just really threw him for a loop, that something inside of him shouted at him from inside, get off the road, he did, and he ended up being safe. And I remember talking as a family about how we sometimes have these instincts and this inner knowing that night. But the next day when he woke up and he was a little more calm, he was full of logical explanations about this story. Oh, I must have looked in the rearview mirror and seen the truck coming. I must, have, I must have seen it and just didn't realize that I saw it. And, and he, he, he completely uh, de- decided that, that that feeling he described where the hair on the back of his neck had raised and he, felt, he, he decided that that was probably just a bunch of superstitious hoo-ha and that something logical had taken over. And when I think about this story, I think about how we do that in our lives, how the reality of us is that we are very instinctual and intuitive beings of the universe, but that we become cultured at times, we fall into a habit at times of thinking that the thing that matters most when it comes to living our life and what's going on and what we should do and making decisions has mostly to do with what we know, what we see, and what we can discern in the world of form. And today, my message is embracing our intuitive nature. What might it take for you, for me, for all of us collectively to have more intact, working for us more often than not, more consciously, that aspect of us that acted that night on my dad's behalf, which I will argue till the day I die was his intuitive nature, what will it take for us to give up this addiction we have to logic and world of form and be willing to 
not let it go. I'm certainly not saying we don't include it in the dialogue and in the decisions, but not revering it, but having a greater balance. Embracing our intuitive, instinctual nature can do that for us. And my agenda here today, my unhidden agenda, is to convince us to live more in that balance by embracing our intuitive nature. So what is our intuitive nature? Let's start there. What does it mean to have an intuitive nature? I would say that from everything I've experienced in my life, my intuition is my superpower. My ability to experience my intuitive nature is, is very synonymous to my spiritual nature, to my innermost self, to an aspect of me that we could call the higher self, the essential self, the soul, that is plugged in and connected to the all that is. It's plugged in and connected to everything and everybody. It's super Alexa. <laughs> It is the part of me that knows what's best for me in every situation and condition and relationship. It's the part of me that knows how to make the best decisions for myself and my life, despite even what other people might say or even what logic might dictate at times. I certainly know that my intuitive nature has called me to do things that people around me thought, well, that's crazy like become a minister or come back to Mile High Church or all sorts of interesting choices that I've made. But my intuitive nature is the the part of me that I can rely on. That's the deepest aspect of me. There's a picture that's used a lot in uh, in personal growth that I've, I've brought today and I'm grateful for our production team for getting it for me. It's the picture of this, an iceberg. Above the surface there's a small portion of the iceberg, but below the surface, there's more of it. That's you. That's me. That's how it is here in this world we live in. We revere what's above the water, and we think that appearance is everything. Not only how we look, how our life looks, but what we can see, touch, feel, taste, and smell, all those sensory things that live above the surface. We, we tend to, our culture tends to to encourage us to revere those and rely on those. Where all the while, below the surface, there's a greater aspect of us. It's the subjective, subconscious, deeper mind of us that has recorded everything about us, that knows who we are, that knows where we've been, that can remember every decision we've ever made, that has recorded every conversation and every moment, that is connected to the eternality of us, where we've been before this life and where we're going next. It's the aspect of us that is deeply rooted and connected in our spiritual nature. And it is bigger, broader, And in fact, I would say more substantial than the surface aspect of us. And part of the secret of life in embracing our intuitive nature is learning to have the courage to go below the surface of the water and feel into that aspect of us and sense that intuitive side of us and prove to ourselves over and over and over again that we have a reliable help system that lives within us. Now, our intuitive nature, for some of us, has seemed something that we should avoid. 
We thought we should avoid it at times because it has appeared to lead us into things that weren't so idyllic and perfect, which I'll talk about a little later. Some of us have learned to avoid them, uh, this nature of ourselves, because we've been part of teachings or we had people in our lives who were superstitious, who felt that the intuitive aspect of us was a not so holy aspect of us with some force that is for not good talking to us, some evil force in the universe that, that, it, that we should avoid. And our teaching does not believe in that kind of evil. We certainly believe that people get off track and get, get caught up in their human condition and their ego. And when they do that, they are tempted to behave in ways that are not so powerful and constructive. But we don't believe that there's a force that is against us or that is, that is an evil evil force that is the source of our, our intuitive nature. We may have avoided our intuitive nature because we think that means we have to be psychic and, and that we have to be able to sit down and do readings for people everywhere and tell people their future or have, wear, wear, carry a crystal ball with us everywhere we go or some crazy thing like that. And while our intuition does include the ability to be psychic and to stand in this now moment and feel in to the time-space continuum, if you will, and, and feel into the forward nature of things, It's a skill that some people who are intuitive do develop. Indeed, some psychics even call themselves intuitives now versus being psychic. But it doesn't mean that everyone who's intuitive necessarily walks around being psychic all the time. Just like we all know how to run, but we don't all run around all the time. It's a skill we can choose to use or not. It's up to us. We also may have avoided our intuitive nature because we think that it means we have to be some sort of medium and that it'll be scary because we'll have to see dead people or something, people who've gone to the other side. And while there are people whose intuition has led them into that kind of skill and ability, I think, I've certainly experienced it in my lifetime with people and in my own personal experience, but not everybody goes there either. So intuition isn't necessarily this woo-woo stuff that we've defined it as or this superstitious stuff we've defined it as. In fact, it's interesting that science is now beginning to tell us more and more that we make more decisions based on our intuition than science even realized. That they're, as they study the brain, as they study the nature of decision-making in human beings, there are even recent experiments that are saying, wow, we think we're making all these logical, sound decisions, but really there's a deep intuitive aspect of us that is really informing us more than we may realize. In fact, I was watching a, a scientific show the other day, actually a couple weeks ago, about a scientist talking about what they're discovering about the brain, and he was going on and on about all the ways the brain works, and then he says with great surprise, what we're learning about the brain indicates we may all be connected. (laughs) I was like, yeah, we've known that for years. (laughs) So our founder, Ernest Holmes, talks a lot about intuition. And he tells us, by intuition, we already know that we are one with the infinite, We must come to recognize the universal spirit which we commune, with which we commune and in which we live and move and have our being as a constant source of inspiration and of guidance. 
In this way, our thought patterns gradually form themselves in such a manner as to conform to the nature of reality. So our intuition truly can serve us powerfully. We begin to tap into it. We also hear funny things about it. I saw this uh, cartoon recently of these two elderly gentlemen sitting at a table drinking a beer together, and one of them says to the other, my wife's female intuition is so highly developed, she sometimes knows I'm wrong before I've even opened my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So while we talk about female intuition, we all got it. It's, It's in all of us, I believe. And so that's what we believe our intuitive nature is. Now, why would I want to use it? John Cassavetta says you can defeat fear through humor, through pain, through honesty, bravery, intuition, and through love in the truest sense. For me, what I see happening in our culture, in our world right now, and I'm sure it's gone on for some time, is that 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 people who run the news and who post on social media sometimes and who, who want to influence the conversation have begun to get that we are uh, very caught up in, a, in fear. And so they've, they've figured out that the sound bites that attempt to show us how afraid we should be of one another how afraid we should be of our world leaders and how afraid we should be of the weather and how afraid we should be about what's going on, that's the stuff that makes it to the top of the news story. And some attempt to to show other things that are going on, but we forget because we get caught up in in that fear-based what we see in the world of form stuff. We forget that there is so much more good going on than not good. That there is so much more of human beings supporting, loving, and, and lifting up other human beings than not. That there's so much more sun going on than storm. We forget this part. And we get caught up in our fear. And then we, we live from fear and we spout fear and we talk to each other about what we should be afraid of and who we should be afraid of and what's going to happen. And we project all these fear-based ideas out into our world. And we get convinced to live in fear 24-7. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't serve us. It's the lowest aspect of us to be fear-based all the time. And then the world continues to experience greater and greater discontent. Somewhere along the way, when we begin to embrace our intuitive nature, we start to understand that fear has its its place. But for most of us, the the statistical reality of our need to be afraid all the time is this. And we're living it like this. You know... We live pretty safe lives here. And we, we get to listen to our intuitive nature, which one of the greatest gifts of our intuitive nature when we use it consciously and properly is that when we really do need to have our fear on board, which then activates a whole bunch of systems that can cause us to act, to run, to make a new choice, we can do so powerfully when we overuse it all the time, we can't really know what we need to really be afraid of and what we don't. So our intuitive nature, when we start to use it, one of the things that I have found is it causes me to be fearless. 
to be more fearless in my life about my life, about our life, about the life we share in the world, about the decisions that I'm making, the risks that I want to take. There's a fearless energy within me because I can walk forward and trust my intuition. Now, some of us have abandoned our intuition, as I said earlier, because there have been times that we've followed our hunch and it hasn't turned out so well. And so we're tempted to say, oh, that intuition stuff just doesn't work. And how many of us know somebody who's a really great psychic and then something bad happens and we think, well, how come they didn't see that coming if they're so psychic? (laughs) Here's the thing. We still operate sometimes in our avoidance of fear and our, our desperation for our intuitive nature in thinking that if I do everything right, my life will always look perfect. And if my life doesn't look perfect, I've done something wrong. And we forget that there is an aspect of us, that part of us that's below the surface, that's always guiding us into what's best for us. What's best for us sometimes is to walk through that challenge, is to face that dragon, is to deal with that situation. Sometimes it's to not get what we want or to have something fall apart. So that we can feel the courage and walk through the dance of claiming what it is we really want. Somebody said to me recently, it's like we all want to be alive and we want someone to give us all the answers to the, to the test. I don't want to walk through the test. I don't want to walk through the challenge. I just want the answers. Just give me the answers so I don't have to work so hard. So it's not so painful or uncomfortable. So a huge part of my intuitive nature is that I have also learned to trust it as it unfolds for me in whatever shows up. In other words, my inner self never leads me astray. No matter if the conditions and circumstances I'm facing are pleasant or unpleasant, my inner self never leads me astray. What's happening right in front of me is what needs to be happening for me. And when I trust that and I embrace that, what happens is I stop resisting the negativity if I'm having a negative situation or a negative relationship or a challenging moment. I stop resisting it and I start to bring my intuition to bear upon it to walk through it and not get stuck. Because what some of us do is that when something bad happens, we just throw in the towel. Oh, well, I'm sick. (sighs) Just can't get anything right. Oh, well, uh, my relationship fell apart. I lost my job. My, uh, my dog got sick. Something happens. You know, just can't do anything right. Because we still operate in this, this belief that only good happens all the time. And the truth is, only good happens all the time. But sometimes your good and my good looks a little different than we might think it should. And so it's about learning to trust and to understand That one of the benefits is that we make better decisions and we are more empowered when we are listening to our intuitive nature. And how do we cultivate that intuitive nature? There are some important things I think we have to do. First of all, I think we have to meditate and have a spiritual practice. There's an inner voice, an inner guidance that we can come to rely upon. But we have to plug into it And be willing to develop a relationship with it. In the world of form, we know that if we have a relationship with another person in life, that the more we give to it and nurture it and spend time with it, the more we benefit it and it benefits us. 
And what happens is that when we get caught up so much in that world of form that's above the water and we never dip our toe into the deeper aspect of ourselves to develop a connectedness and a relationship with that divine inner presence of us, then we, we just don't have the ability to do it. We forget how to go there. And then something happens and we're desperate. We want that intuitive voice. Oh my God, something horrible's happened. Where's my intuition? Desperately seeking it and we can't quite get there. It's, but those of us who practice going there and going there and going there and going there find that going into that inner place of the most high and walking through our lives, that voice is always on board. Now, some people say, how do I know the difference between my ego mind telling me something and my intuition telling me something? Part of it is this familiarity. The more we have a spiritual practice and we can sense that inner impetus that's inviting us to move forward, to step out into our life, the more we are familiar with it and we can sense it and hear it just like anybody's voice. You can sense the difference between my voice and Dr. Patty's voice, I bet, if you closed your eyes, right? So right now, the more we're familiar with that inner voice, the more we can hear it. But here are two things that I know to be true. Your inner voice, my inner voice, will never treat you horribly. <laughs> will never uh, shame you, cajole you, disrespect you. Your inner voice is never going to say, you idiot, you should go that way. What's wrong with you? I can't believe you did that. You're so stupid. That's not your inner voice. That might be your mom's voice in your head, <laughs> but it's not your inner voice. The inner voice is this unconditioned, loving presence. And our inner voice will never prompt us to do something that is outside of our values or our integrity or that will harm us or harm another being. Your inner voice will never say, go ahead and steal that money. Go ahead and lie to that person. Go ahead and take that even though it's not yours. That's not the inner voice. That's the fear-based ego attempting to conjole us. And so we understand and begin to distinguish between our inner voice and we begin to go there through prayer, meditation, listen to it, and heed it. Also, there are things that we do in life. Each one of us has places where we're tempted to fall into addictions or uh, things that don't serve us, things that distract us, things that numb us out. It can be anything from substances like alcohol or drugs or food to relationships to sex to games on, in the internet to the internet to social media to television to all these different things that we utilize sometimes to numb ourselves out so that we can't and don't hear that inner voice. Sometimes we don't like what it's saying. It's saying, go out and be magnificent today. I'll just, I'll just sit here and watch TV instead. Oh. You know, in my life, I gave up two years ago and have not eaten any sugar or flour for two years. And while that's, yeah, that's a good thing to celebrate. And while that certainly had a great health benefit for me, here's the number one benefit. I see clearly now than I ever have in my whole life. And my intuitive voice is stronger than it's ever been because that's my place where I have used substance to numb myself from my own inner voice. 
And so learning to have the discipline to set aside those things that no longer serve us. I think we use those things sometimes to numb ourselves from life itself and the anxieties of life, to numb ourselves from maybe emotional pain from our past, and to numb ourselves from our innermost self that is calling us to be magnificent. And when we set those aside, it can take discipline and powerful decisions, but it can serve us at an amazing way to have on board this sense of connectedness and knowingness. And lastly, learning to be obedient to that inner voice, even in the smallest ways. We nonconformists in this teaching do not like the word obedience. I used it purposefully. Because I'm talking about an obedience that says, as my inner voice says, stay at church a little longer today, see what happens. Take a different way home. Call so-and-so. Take a deep breath. Stop. Look around. But the more obedient we are to it, the more we can access it. And when we begin to do these things and begin to sense this voice and declare to ourselves that this is important to us and to begin to live from it and face challenges and make decisions and step up to our greater good, we begin to prove it to ourselves over and over and over again that we do have an intuitive nature and that we can rely upon it. And that's so valuable. That's one of the most valuable things we can ever have. The thing that really pushed me over the edge a number of years ago in proving that there was this eternal nature to us that's connected to the all that is was my son, Jesse. Prior to to having Jesse, I had two pregnancies that did not make it to full term. And while I was very sad about this, when we finally got pregnant with Jesse, I was so happy that it feels like those two non-successful pregnancies just kind of fell by the wayside and We had our son, and he was amazing, and we never talked about those two former pregnancies, never told Jesse about them, and there came a moment in his life where he was beginning to talk a lot and beginning to have conversations and seem to understand what was going on around him, and one night I was in his bed reading him his goodnight stories, and as I was completing those stories, I was just laying there in bed with him, kind of looking at his little sweet face before I kissed him goodnight, And something in me prompted me, and so I said to him, Jesse, before you came to be here with Daddy and me, where were you? And he said in exasperation, Oh, Mommy, I tried come two times before now, and I could not get here. And I just sat there going, Oh, my gosh. And I get chills just telling him that story even now that a part of him was speaking to me in that moment. And I realized there's a deeper aspect of all of us that knows that it knows that it knows. And after that moment, I was convinced. I was convinced that there's an intuitive nature in my son, and I trust it implicitly, and I'm convinced that there's an intuitive nature in me, and I trust it implicitly. And I urge each one of us this week to live our lives as though we trusted ourselves, as though we hear ourselves, as though we absolutely know that our inner voice is on board 
and is guiding us forward. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.